J. Michael Edwards back with you in the Majestic Academy. Are you keeping up with Pastor Don? These last few lessons have been a wild ride. But episode 34 slows things down a bit as we take an in-depth look at the 144,000 witnesses. Their lives should challenge us and change us. Let's listen in as Pastor Don teaches a lesson entitled, After the Storms Have Passed. This is Pastor Don back with you in the Majestic Academy. Uh, J. Michael performing his duties as flawlessly <clears throat> as ever. You have to excuse me with my raspy voice here. Uh, I've just been doing too much talking here, and I'm going to be uh, taking a drink of water here just to just to stay cool. But uh, <clears throat> wow, I guess I need to stop talking so much. Anyway, um, we're going to take a look at a great lesson, uh, information that I believe has great application for you and me in our lives. Uh, a real close look at these 144,000 witnesses. And we are a army of one witness ourselves with the Holy Spirit to guide us along. And I hope you're a witness. I hope you take the time to share the gospel, to tell people about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's nothing more exciting than uh, leading a lost soul to the Lord. And it's not There's nothing we do. Uh, it's all the Lord, but we're the mouthpiece, we're the tool, uh, and I love being used by God to be able to uh, share the gospel with people. And so, as we move into this next episode, episode 34, um, we are getting closer to the end. You're, you're probably asking, when is this going to end? When When is Pastor Don going to be done? Uh, let me just say this, we, we are probably, I don't know, two or three weeks away um, I'm uh, trying to get as many done here as uh, quickly as I can, just so we can get uh, get you through this. Because I'll tell you what, once we get into heaven, uh, a few chapters away, it gets really, really exciting. So today's episode entitled "After the Storms Have Passed." Uh, these uh, last few chapters have been very, uh, very dark, as we as we've seen. So. Let me read some verses here. Uh, we're reading uh, in Revelation 14, verses 1 through 5. Get your Bibles out. Get your swords ready. Um, get your notebook. Uh, I hope you're uh, looking at these lessons as lessons. Again, this is the Majestic Academy. We're here to enlighten, to encourage, to edify, and teach. And that's that's our goal. Uh, I'll be talking about other series we're going to have uh, after the Revelation series is done. Uh, none quite as extensive as this. This has been something that uh, I've taught this, I don't know, three or four times now. And uh, it's just so important that we understand what's coming up. Revelation 14, verses 1 through 5. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him an hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts, and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand, which were redeemed from the earth. 
These are they which were not defiled with women, for they were virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this portion of Scripture. Lord, I pray now as you open hearts. Lord, help me to, uh, to teach, help our students to learn. Uh, we thank you so much. We praise you for this, for this lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, after the storms have passed. Now, if you've been, uh, if you've been studying along with us, um, and I hope you have, I hope you've, uh, you've uh, caught all of our lessons from, uh, from the introduction right on through. Uh, if you've been with us all this time, you know that the last few episodes have been quite dark and quite depressing and uh, quite discouraging. We've been talking about the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. We have witnessed the depths of depravity as man abandons his creator to worship the devil through his false Christ. Now, the scenes change. Yay! Chapter 14 is like a glorious rainbow. After a fierce storm, God takes the brush of his grace and repaints the landscape of Revelation. He gives us a breath of heavenly air in these verses. Only God can do that. Only God can take that which is horrible beyond words and turn it into a thing of glory. And that's just what he does in these verses. In these passages, we are allowed to get a little glimpse of heavenly glory. We are allowed to see the Lamb of God. He is the theme of the book. In fact, he's the third theme of the entire Bible. He is center stage in the entire Bible, including these verses. It would be a blessing if we could figure out how to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do in our lives as individuals and in the life of our churches. And we should, we need to, Jesus should be the center figure in your life today. In these verses, we meet again the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who were selected and sealed in chapter 7. These men have preached the gospel of the kingdom during the darkest days of the tribulation. They were persecuted by the Antichrist, but they were preserved by God. At some point during the tribulation, when they have served their purpose, God will allow the 144,000 to be killed by the Antichrist. These men will then join their Redeemer, the Lamb of God, in His glory in heaven. And that's the scene that we're going to um, investigate today. These men have weathered a terrible storm here on the earth. Now, for them at least, the storm is over and they are at home with the Lamb. So I want to show you the facts revealed in these verses concerning the 144,000. I, I, I want to teach, I want to teach uh, about the thought after the storms have passed. Uh, in verse 1, we see they are a rescued army. A rescued army. They are protected by God. When we first met this group of men, it was in Revelation 3, I'm sorry, Revelation 7, verses 3 and 4. There the Bible says, saying, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the service of our God in the foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. These men have been sealed by God and have been protected by Him through the darkest days of the tribulation. Hundreds of millions, perhaps even billions of people have died. 
But these men have been protected through it all because they have been sealed by God. The earth will be stained red with the blood of holy martyrs, but these men will be protected through it all. Satan will hunt them and harass them, but he will be powerless to kill them because they have been sealed by God. They have his name on their foreheads, and they are untouchable. Satan marked his people, and they are headed to hell. God seals his servants, and they are bound for glory. And then they are preserved by God. When these men arrive on Mount Zion, they are just as many as they were when they were sealed back in chapter 7. God sealed 144,000, and now 144,000 stand with the, with the Lamb in glory. There are not uh, 143,999, there are 144,000. He brought in just as many as he called out. And you know, the same is true for all of us who are the saints of God, who are the born again, who are the redeemed. According to his word, we have been sealed until the day of redemption. Find that in Ephesians 4.30. We are also told that Jesus will not lose a single one of those given to him by his Father. Let me read John 6, verses 37 through 40. Open your Bibles there to John 6, 37 through 40. All that the Father hath given me, this is Jesus speaking, all that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, with the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Someone tell that to the, uh, to the folks who think that they can lose their salvation. Uh, hello, Calvinists. But should rise, should raise it up again at the last day. This, and this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him, every one, every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Those who are saved are as sure as heaven as if they were already there. Let me read Ephesians 2, 6. And hath raised us up together, talking about you and me, born again, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My friends, if you're born again, you are already sitting in heavenly places. Maybe not physically, but you are there. You cannot lose your salvation. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You cannot. You are sealed until the day of redemption. Can I get an amen and amen on that? Jesus gives eternal life and eternal security to every single person who trusts him for their salvation. I hope you got that. I hope you understand that. I hope you believe that. I hope you take great joy and comfort in the fact that there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that can cause you to lose your salvation. So when the role is called in glory, not a single person will be missing. When the family gathers for the merry supper of the Lamb, there will be not one empty seat at that table. God will bring all of his children home. Another great amen for that. And so these men, they are presented to God. We are told that these men meet the Lamb on Mount Zion. This is an ancient name for the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is referred to as Mount Zion at least 21 times in the Word of God. Some commentators believe that John is referring to the earthly city of Jerusalem. They think we are seeing a vision of the coming millennium when Jesus will rule on the earth for a thousand years. 
I'm not sure, but I happen to believe that we are seeing a heavenly scene. Any way you look at that, I, I believe it's got to be a heavenly scene. These men have served their time. They have fulfilled their mission, and they have been brought into the presence of the Almighty. Verse 3 talks about heavenly singing. Verse 5 shows them standing before the throne of God in glory. These men have been rescued out of a world gone mad, and they are home in the presence of the Father and the Lamb of God. I praise the Lord that there is a better place waiting on the people of God. Uh, a better place waiting for us, my friends. If the world was heaven, as some groups claim, <laughs> I would not want to be here, especially today with what's going on. I can't believe there are these people who, who, who believe that, that this is heaven on earth. Wow, no way. There is a better place waiting for the children of God when we leave this world. Jesus told us a little about it. Uh, go back and read it, John 14, verses 1 through 3. John tells us a lot about it as we look forward to Revelation 21 and 22. My mind has tried to think about that place, but one day these eyes will see its glory. These feet will walk its endless streets. These ears will hear the sweet songs of Zion, and they will hear the sweetest sound ever fall upon them. They will hear our Savior say, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Praise God, my friends. One day we're going home. Oh, man, we're going home. We're not, this is not your home. This is not your home. We are ambassadors here. We don't, we don't belong here. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If heaven's not my home, oh Lord, what will I do? If heaven's not your home, what will you do? I praise God, heaven is my home. And so there also, verses 2 and 3, talks about how they are a rejoicing army. Rejoicing. A new setting. We see a new setting in verse 2. These men have been rescued from the terrors of the tribulation. They have witnessed death and destruction on an unprecedented level. They have watched as the world turns us back on God and embraces the devil as their new God. They have seen this world fall at the feet of the Antichrist and worship him as God, uh, small g. They have seen things more horrible than anything you and I could ever imagine. But this finds them home in heaven, in the presence of our Lord Jesus. They are home. And heaven is filled with the, the sounds of their worship and their praises. Heaven is filled with joy because of the presence of the Lamb of God. What a contrast there is between this world and heaven. This world is filled with pain and sorrow and tears uh, masking and COVID and, and uh, vaccinations and all of these crazy things. Uh, none of that's going to be allowed over in heaven. Revelation 21 verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This world is marred by disease and death. I'll tell you what, you're not going to wear a mask in heaven. You're not going to get any vaccinations in heaven. You won't need one to get in, by the way. There's going to be no COVID in heaven. No Delta strain in heaven. No, this world may be in the grip of sin and Satan. And there's no maybe there. It is. But both will be banned from heaven. We'll be getting into this in Revelation 21. This world is perishing, and that world will endure for all eternity. 
Amen. They are rejoicing in heaven today. They will, we will join them soon one day. One day we will take our last steps in this wicked, wicked world. We will leave here and we will fly away with the one who died for us on Calvary's cross. We will see the one who took love in spite of our sins. We will see Jesus and he will be in heaven. We are headed to a city and one day, one day we will be home. We also see in verse 3 a, a new song. The 144,000 are overcome with joy because they are in the presence of God and the Lamb. They are overwhelmed and they burst into a song. They sing a song that is unique to them. It is a new song and no one is qualified to sing it but them. The word learn means to understand. No one can understand their song because no one has had their experiences. A new song is mentioned some seven times in the Old Testament. It is always used as a means to praise the Lord for something great, something amazing, something he has done. Psalm 98 verse 1, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. There was a day when the Lord saved my soul. When he did, he placed a new song within my heart. The only songs my soul knew were the songs of the world. All my soul knew were the laments and the dirges and the life of sin and sorrow. But when he saved me, he gave me a brand new song. And probably I'll be able to sing. You may be saying right now, boy, it's a good thing you need a new song, brother. <laughs> look, at, look at Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. It's a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet on a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, if you're saved, if you're born again, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've got a new song in your heart. I went down that day singing a song of broken-hearted and lost sinner. I came up singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Wow. Since that glorious day, God has been adding verses to my song of praise. That day, I knew that he had saved me. And that was about all. Now I can sing of his faithfulness, his blessings, his glory, his goodness, his grace, his presence, his provisions, and so much more. I can sing because he has changed my life and given me a new song. He has given me a song that is as unique as I am. My friends, if you're saved, he's done the same for you. I can't put every word of my song into a verse down here, but when I get to home and glory, I will sing that new, new song with glory in my soul. I will have the vocabulary and the means with which to praise him in glory. Well, I may, may not be able to sing the whole song now. I do want to lift my voice and share the parts I could put into words. I want to praise him for saving my soul. God is worthy of our love and our praise. 
Listen to this. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. Take heart, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I'll tell you what, God will put a song in your heart. I sing that song over and over throughout the day because I love my Lord and he's put a new song in my heart. So these men, they are a rescued army. They are a rejoicing army and they are a redeemed army. These 144,000 are a special group of people. Talk about special forces. <laughs> We've got some great special forces here in America, but they're nothing compared to these guys. 144,000 special forces of God. They represent the choices of God's servants down through the ages. They have been many, there have been many men and women who have made their mark for Jesus, and there's some great men of God. Great men of God. But these men stand a little bit taller than all the rest. These next two verses describe these men. What the Bible says about them should be a true story of every saint of God. These men have not even been saved yet for the most part, but their dedication to the Lord already serves as a model for every believer. Believer, So match, match your life against these descriptions. In verse 4 it says they are spotless. We're told that these men have maintained their physical purity. They have not fallen prey to the sins of the flesh that will mark the last days. Beyond that, they have not succumbed to the spiritual fornication that will run rampant through the world during the tribulation days. The world will go after what we read about earlier, the great whore. Revelation 14.8, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Revelation 17.1, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. But these men will stay separated and holy during an apostate age. 2 Corinthians 11.2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin, talking about the church, talking about you and me. God expects the same from his children in all ages. He, his command is for us to stay separate from the world. Second Corinthians 6.17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We're to hate even the garment spotted by the flesh in Jude, 2, Jude 23. But the doctrine of separation, we are to be separate. We are to come out from among them, come out of the world. Egypt is a type of the world. Israel had to come out of Egypt. They had to be separated from the world. My friends, if you're a Christian, you are to separate yourself from all things of the world music and, and movies and, and uh, uh, conversation and, and uh, Facebook, some of those things on Facebook. Um, oh boy, don't get me started on Facebook. But we are to be separated unto Christ. Okay, then they are surrendered. 
These 144,000 preachers had followed the Lord Jesus wherever he had laid them. They did not turn back through fear. They did not turn back from their task, even though it was dangerous and costly. They stayed the course. They followed the Lamb. The word follow here means to be in the same way. These men walked in the ways of the Lord. They made his way their way, and they stayed the course for the glory of God. And again, this is just what God expects from you and me. He saved us to walk in his will and to follow his ways. He wants us to be obedient, surrendered followers. He wants us to make his way our way. Of course, this means that we have to see things the way he sees them and do things the way he does them. Amos 3.3 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? The Lord wants us to follow him wherever he leads us with no regrets, no refusals, and no reservations. He is looking for obedient servants. And then it says that they are symbolic. They are symbolic. These 144,000 were chosen, saved, and sealed at the beginning of the tribulation. They went out and preached the gospel to the ends of the earth. Just as the first sheaves of grain were taken into the temple and waved before the Lord as a symbol of the harvest that was to follow, these men are symbolic of all those who would be saved through their ministry. We see this in Leviticus 23, 10, and 11. They were the first, and they were the guarantee of more to follow. Now, I, I can't imagine how hard the ministry of these men is going to be. It is hard in these days. I've been in the ministry for some time now. I'll tell you what, it, it, uh, it gets hard here sometimes, but it, it'll be far harder for them. What a comfort it is to know that God is going to use them to reap a vast harvest of souls during the tribulation. Only in heaven will they know the impact of their ministry. Uh, and the same is true of us, by the way. We will not know until we arrive home in glory just how the Lord has used our lives. Therefore, let us stay the course for his glory and allow him to use us where he sees fit. Until he calls us home, we may, we may please do the will of God from the heart. Do the will of God from the heart. Serve him with all your heart. All your heart. Ephesians 6, 6. And then in verse 5 it says they are sanctified. These men stand in the presence of God, complete and perfect. The Bible says that there is no guile, G-U-I-L-E, no guile found in them. The word guile simply means deceit. Deceit. The world, the word, this word, blah, this word was used to speak of something that was a decoy, a decoy, something that gave the appearance of being real but wasn't. These men claimed to be the servants of Almighty God, and their walk matched their words. They were not fakes, they were the real deal. The little saying, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Okay, your walk has got to match what you say. Otherwise, you are being in guile. You are being a decoy. Your walk must match your talk. The word fault here, the word fault means blemish. These men had no flaws in their lives that could be pointed out by men. Now, even in the presence of God, they are declared faultless by him. 
Again, there is a word here for saints living in this day and age. Like the 144,000, our walk is to match our words. We shall live out before men what we claim to before God. 1 John 2, 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought to himself also to walk, even as he walked. We should live lives that are without blemish, so that we might stand in his presence with the confidence one day. 1 John 2.28 And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, you and I are faulty at best. We all fail and fall short of the glory of God. There is coming a day when this evil flesh will drop away forever and we will stand perfect and without fault in his presence. What a day that will be. Yes, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. You know, that would make a good song. Let me see. Let me make this up here. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace, and he takes me by the hand, and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day, what a day that will be. And so, are you saved today? Do you have a new song in your heart? Or are you still singing that old, old song? We are just a few episodes from the end of this marvelous book. Very soon, we're going to be learning of our heavenly home. When this merry-go-round we are on here on earth comes to a stop, where will you be when you get off? If you are not absolutely sure of heaven, won't you ask Jesus into your heart and make him the Lord of your life? That's an eternal question, my friends. I've asked it almost every time we've been in the academy together, and I'll keep asking it. If you're not saved today, wow, confess your sins before God and ask him to save you and take you to heaven when you die. So until our next class here in the academy, keep looking up and listening with a shout. J. Michael back. What a great lesson. What an encouragement. Our next two lessons will bring into stark detail what eternity holds for the lost sinner and then what eternity holds for the born-again saint of God. Two lessons you will not want to miss. Until then, keep looking up and listening for the shout.